the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at Let's Talk Faith.com. A service of the Salem. Portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. For a number of weeks, we've been studying and examining the walk of the new man. And we found this we found that the new man tells the truth. The new man gets angry over righteous issues, not over selfish issues. The new man works hard, and the new man speaks wholesome words. The new man is all that we are in Jesus Christ. This is how we are to behave. Now, there's so much more. There's so many more areas that Paul could have dealt with, but he deals with these. These are just a few. This is not an exhaustive list. Now, when you look at the behavior of the new man, and when you look at this list, you can begin to see what Paul is getting at, because each area he mentions affects other people. And that's important to note. I appreciated Pastor Steve's review of where we've been in our study of the walk of the new man, and we certainly have covered a lot of ground. It also seems hard to believe that we have only three more studies before we move on to our next series. So why is it important to study the walk of the new man? As Pastor Steve mentioned, each of these areas affects other people. As we go through life, we impact more people than we realize. So, it is important to know how we should walk. Today we will talk about attitudes and how our attitudes are expressed to others in our life. Here is Pastor Steve. Our study is in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're continuing the walk of the new man, how the new man behaves. We, We say the word, we use the word walk to mean his conduct. And let's read... Verses 25 through 32, Ephesians 4. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Let him who steals steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what's good, in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. For a number of weeks, we've been studying and examining the walk of the new man. And we found this. We found that the new man tells the truth. 
the new man gets angry over righteous issues, not over selfish issues. The new man works hard, and the new man speaks wholesome words. The new man is all that we are in Jesus Christ. This is how we are to behave. Now, there's so much more. There's so many more areas that Paul could have dealt with, but he deals with these. These are just a few. This is not an exhaustive list. Now, when you look at the behavior of the new man, and when you look at this list, you can begin to see what Paul is getting at, because each area he mentions affects other people. And that's important to note. Paul's not really telling us how to relate to God. He's not really speaking even at this point in our relationship with the Lord. He's not talking about prayer. He's not talking about Bible study. He's not even talking about fellowship with the Lord. He is speaking on a relationship of of human being to human being. Really, uh, specifically, he's dealing with believers since he says that we are members one of another and, and so forth. And that's what the whole letter is about. It's about the body of Christ, the church, and how the church, uh, once the church understands who they are in relationship to God, in relation to him, and that's chapters 1 through 3, then from chapters 4 through 6, they're to understand how they're to relate to one another. What is the church? Chapters 1 through 3. How the church is to behave and relate to others and conduct itself in this world is chapters 4 through 6. So that's what we've been studying, how our relationship with God affects our relationship with one another. For example, why does the new man not lie and and speak the truth? Why does he do that? Well, Paul says in verse 25, because he's a member of the body of Christ. See, it's always relationship-oriented. Why does the new man only get angry over righteous issues and, and not over other issues, not over selfish issues? Because he doesn't want to give the devil an opportunity to lead the Christian into further sin. He doesn't want the devil to come along and take uh, anger and develop it into malice and bitterness. And that's what happens if you don't, if you have selfish anger and you don't deal with it quickly. If you harbor it in your heart, it turns into bitterness. So why are we to behave a certain way? So that we don't behave another way that would damage our brother or sister in the Lord. Why does the new man work hard? Well, there are many reasons given in the Bible for him to work hard. But one reason that Paul lists down here is he's not to steal. He's to work hard because stealing harms people. I mean, if you steal from somebody, somebody's going to get hurt. You take what's not yours. And so the new man doesn't do that because he wants to benefit others by giving to them, not hurting and taking from them. Why does the new man speak wholesome words? Now, it's right to speak wholesome words. It's proper to speak wholesome words. It's godly to speak wholesome words. But the point that Paul is making is that so he can edify his fellow Christian, so he can minister grace to his hearers and meet the need of the moment for his brother or sister in the Lord. So all of our conduct affects others. That's what we're learning. The new man is to behave like the new man because he lives in a world with other people. And I hope you realize that. Uh, We don't live isolated lives There's that song that says, no man is an island, and that is specifically and directly true of a Christian. We don't live in monasteries. We don't don't escape from the world. God has saved us and has not taken us right away to heaven except for a few people. But most of us are saved and left here for a time to function in this world, to affect others, to bless others, to minister, to lead others to the Lord, and so forth. And we're to show others the reality of being new creatures in Christ. That's the point that Paul is making. Tonight, we want to look at an area of life that really affects others. Uh, I would say it's our attitudes, but it's more than our attitudes. 
In verses 31 and 32, he is speaking about attitudes, but not really attitudes. For instance, uh, bitterness is an attitude, but wrath and anger and clamor and slander are really ex how the attitudes express themselves. And for lack of a better term, we could say these are these are old man vices. These are vices of the old man. I remember in in uh, in Bible school uh, when I took uh, some preaching classes, the teachers would always say, never say the word things. There's no such thing as a thing. Never preach and say thing. Well, most of the most of the things that they taught us in uh, in preaching class were good. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to go against that rule tonight. These are just old man things. Things that hang on uh, from the old life and they kind of hang on in the new life. And Paul says we're to put them away, get rid of them, throw them away. Don't let them hang on. And then he's going to tell us about not only the vices or the things of the old man, but we're going to learn about the virtues of the new man, the attitudes of the new man, how important this is. And and I just want to uh, just emphasize this for a moment. These these are uh, words and and uh how the use of the tongue that comes from our attitudes and attitudes are so important because our actions flow from our attitudes. In fact, you can fake in many ways all these other things. You can you can fake about uh, about really wanting to uh, to speak the truth and and not being angry and so forth. And and it, it could look good, but underneath needs to be the right attitudes. If you don't have the attitudes straightened out, you won't have the proper actions. When your attitudes are wrong, then your actions will be wrong, or at least they'll be phony. They'll be, they'll be uh, uh, non-genuine. And so that's what Paul is dealing with. And he's dealing with our attitudes, the vices, the things in the old man that need to go. When your attitude is not right, then you're, you're not going uh, to be loving towards one another. You're not going to uh, want to minister grace to one another. You're not going to want to refrain from stealing. You're not going to want to refrain from, from lying. It's all of these attitudes must be right. So perhaps we could say that what we're going to study tonight is, is in one sense more important in the sense of foundational to everything about the new man. So let's look. There's no, there's no uh, real outline tonight. In fact, there's nothing particularly deep about it. And if uh, the truth were known, you really don't need me on a week like this to explain this to you. I'm just going to challenge you with what the word says. It really is pretty much self-evident. The first negative uh, vice in our life, or old man vice, is bitterness. What is bitterness? Bitterness is that smoldering resentment, that unwillingness to forgive. Uh, it's, it's easier to, uh, to know by experience than by defining. But you know what bitterness is. Aristotle, the Greek philosopher, who certainly knew the Greek language, defined this word as an embittered and resentful spirit which refuses to be reconciled. Bitterness, we could say, is settled hostility. That's what bitterness is. It, it just settles in. It's not just an anger of the moment. It's a prolonged settling. How do we develop bitterness? It doesn't happen overnight. Bitterness is developed by nursing our hurt feelings. You, you must nurture anger to be bitter and hurt feelings. It's, it's developed by dwelling on them, by paying great attention to them, by not forgetting them, by continually uh, bringing these grievances back to our mind and sort of feeding uh, on these negative thoughts. That's how bitterness happens. You've been injured. 
You've been hurt. Somebody has wronged you. And rather than just forgiving them, which we'll deal with a little bit later, than just forgiving them, you kind of mull it over in your mind and you go to sleep at night thinking about it and you toss and turn and you have negative feelings. And when you see that person in church, if they go to the same church that you do, uh, you look at them and all of a sudden it comes back to you. It comes back to you. It just is, is like a movie that keeps going on and on and on in your mind. And that's how bitterness develops. And when we are bitter, you know what we want to do? We want to cut somebody down for what they've done to us, either physically or verbally. We want to cut somebody down. In fact, I discovered this week that the root of the Greek word means to cut. Far in the background of this Greek word is the, the meaning, the root meaning means to cut. Whenever you see a person who is cynical, deeply sarcastic, never has a nice word to say about anybody or anything, Usually it's a good indication that somewhere along that line that person's bitter over something because he's, he's always cutting down someone or something. You see, the old man is bitter. Most people that, that you know who don't know the Lord, somewhere there's a, there's a bitterness. Somewhere in their past there's somebody, either a relative or a friend or a former employer or a former employee who has deeply hurt them and they're bitter. That's why Jesus said that if you have anger in your heart, it's like you've murdered. You want to cut somebody down. You just don't want to get caught doing it. That's bitterness. And the old man is bitter. He feels that life has, has dealt him a poor hand. And, he's, and it's been unfair to him. And sometimes this bitterness is towards God. Why has God done this to me? He's bitter. And he goes through life being negative and being critical. He harbors ill will. That's, that's bitterness. We're not to be bitter at all. You'll see that, what, what we must replace that with, but we're not to be bitter. When you see a Christian who's bitter, he's, he or she has messed up their ministry. In fact, they, they harm others. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews says that many are defiled by, by bitterness. Bitterness spreads. It infects others. It cannot be isolated. In fact, that's, that's what I said is the whole point that Paul is dealing with. When you're bitter, you affect others. You affect them and you infect them. It's contagious. I've seen people who are bitter turn other people who are bitter. And it's the saddest thing. I've seen people just, just destroyed in their Christian lives. I've warned people not to listen to some people because they'll, they'll take in that, uh, that, that false report or that false perspective and they'll get bitter. And I've seen it happen and, and I've seen their, their spiritual lives just get wrecked. But there's another vice that we need to be careful of. In fact, bitterness leads to this, and that's wrath. Bitterness leads to wrath. And, and wrath is, is really temper tantrums. That's what wrath is. It's a, a furious outburst of rage and temper. I, I guess the best way of saying it is temper tantrums. It's not even settled hostility. It, it, it's wild rage. It's, it's explosive anger. It's anger of the moment. And it's anger out of pure selfishness. It's a sudden, violent outburst of emotion. Let me, let me illustrate this to you from the scripture. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, how, how will we know this is, this is really wrath? Because the same word that's used in Ephesians is the word that's used in Matthew. That's how you figure out these things. 
Remember when Herod said to the wise men, go down and, and, uh, and find the child and report back to me and let me know about him. And they were warned in a dream, don't go back to Herod. He means the child's harm. You found the Messiah, move on. Don't go back to Herod. Verse 16 says, then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi or the wise men, he became very what? Enraged. That's the same Greek word, wrath. In rage. And you know what he did? And he sent and he slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its environments or environs. And two years old and under, according to the time which he had ascertained from the Magi. That is wrath. It's a sudden outburst. When Herod realized what had taken place, he just flew into a rage. Wrath does that. Wrath says things that it wishes it could take the words back. That's why we studied last week that the tongue is a little, just a little organ. But it boasts great things, it destroys things, it's, it's set on fire by hell itself, wrath. There's, there's no room in the Christian life for wrath. A Christian ought not to be explosive. Now, I know that, that there's always the opportunity for confession of sin and repentance, but you ought to stop it before. There is no room, there ought not to be room for a Christian to go to have a temper tantrum. That's, that's for the world to do, and, and the world does that. And the world explodes and the world kills people and the world fights with one another, but that ought not to be with Christians. No wrath in the Christian life. And then there's anger. Anger is different from wrath. It's connected and yet it's different. It's not a, a momentary explosive rage. It's a settled inward continual resentment. Anger just goes on and on. Rage is, and, and wrath a person does it and, and he thinks it's over with. Actually, that's not true. It will continue in other forms, but at least he thinks it's over with. But anger is, is, is a habit, while rage is a momentary loss of temper. You see the difference? Anger is a, ha is a habit. And there are some people just angry. They're not explosive. They just sort of have a chip on their shoulder and they're angry. We're not to be angry. We're to, we're really, except to have righteous anger. We're not to be selfishly uh, angry. That, that's just, that's the old man. That's the way we were. And all these things, this is a good commentary on what our attitudes were. Uh, before I knew the Lord, I was bitter, I was wrathful, I was angry, and, and you were too, if you came to know the Lord, at least as an adult. Then there's clamor. Now that's interesting. Clamor. You know what clamor is? Clamor means public yelling and shouting. You ever hear your neighbors shout? I remember one time watching, it, it was better than anything on television, watching my neighbors across the street. And I, I just pulled back the curtains and watched them. And I tell you, they, they had a shouting match. She said this to him, he ran out, she ran out. I mean, it, it was what the Bible says is clamor. Clamor is public yelling and shouting. Now, I know I don't need to say this, but I'm going to, that that ought not to be in the Christian life. Your neighbor should not hear you shouting because you shouldn't be shouting. It's not that they should have bad hearing. It's that you shouldn't be shouting. That's what clamor is. In fact, if you'll turn your Bibles to um, Acts 23, verse 9, you'll, you'll see the same word used here, and you'll see what it really is as we uh, illustrate it from Scripture. Acts 23, verse 9. Paul is in the midst of this conflict, and there arose a great uproar. See that word uproar, clamor. Some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and began to argue heatedly, saying, we find nothing wrong with this man. 
And, and they went on to say that what happened is this. The Pharisees said one thing. The Sadducees said another thing. Before you know it, their voices are rising. Then, then before you realize that they're yelling at one another. And that, that's what happens. Do you realize that's the old man? Have you ever argued with somebody or, and you, you debated with them and you find your voice getting higher and higher and higher? That's what clamor is. The world does that. The world is real good at that. In fact, some people can't have a civilized conversation. They yell at one another. They cannot disagree graciously. They just yell at one another. That is clamor. Screaming, fights, public yelling ought not to be in the Christian life. Ought to be a kind word. Speak soft. Soft answer turneth away wrath. Proverbs says, soft answer. Don't raise your voice. Clamor. Then there's slander. This is an interesting word. The word slander is the Greek word from which we get our English word blasphemy. Now, most of us, when we think of blasphemy, we think of of, uh, abusive speech or insulting language directed towards God. But that's not true. Now, I have a friend, and I can tell you this, he doesn't go to the church. I won't tell you his his name. I have a friend who uh, told me uh, an interesting story. It was uh, embarrassing to him. But what happened was... He, uh, he found himself in a situation where somebody at, at work in a public-type forum insulted him. Uh, somebody had some uh, insulting language directed towards him. Now, he wasn't at this forum, but somebody told him that this person spoke evil of you or, or didn't speak well of you and so forth. So uh, he's a Christian. He got on the phone and he said, I understand that you... Uh, you said some some derogatory things about me. What did you say? And this person proceeded to tell him. He said, that's not true. In fact, those are lies. And one thing led to another. He told me that he shouldn't have gotten angry. In fact, he acted like the old man. He he said words he shouldn't have said. He got angry at her. He uh, said things that uh, he later regretted, and he was yelling at her and, and so forth. And then finally, in... In just being exasperated, he said, and what's more, you've blasphemed me. Well, the more he thought about that, the more embarrassed he was. See, he didn't know that blasphemy uh, could be used against people. I didn't know that until this week. I've only thought of it in the context of against the Lord. And here, the more he thought about it, the more, the more he thought, what must I have looked like to that person? Because blasphemy is only something you could do towards God. What will she think I, I think I am? So to make matters worse... They had a little meeting. The, uh, the president of the organization himself, this woman and some others, and uh, he was so embarrassed that he said blasphemy because he thought that they're going to think he, uh, he really thinks he's, he's something special. And uh, they went through all these allegations and so forth. And finally, she said to him, she said, and what's more, I never blaspheme you. Now, when he told us this story, he was so embarrassed. He said, they're going to think I think I'm so pious. That's only for the Lord, blasphemy. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to have great fun at telling him about slander is, is blasphemy. It's not just insulting the Lord. It's insulting those who have been made in the image of God, and that's human beings, and specifically Christians. We are not to slander people. We are not to have evil speech towards others. We are not to speak like that. Uh, insult others. Speech is, is not designed to injure people, and that's what slander is. Let me show you Jude chapter 9. This is very important. Slander is something that is so easy to do and yet is so forbidden in Scripture. Jude verse 9. 
Now, if there's anybody we would think we're justified in slandering, we would think naturally it ought to be Satan, but that's not true. We're, we're not even to slander Satan. We're not even to speak evil, to, to injure him. Verse 9, but Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, the devil wanted the body of Moses, the Lord wanted the body of Moses and sent Michael, he did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment but said, the Lord rebuke you. Even Michael, and, that, and the words there for slander, for blasphemy, he said, the Lord rebuke you. I'm not going to rebuke you. The Lord do it. We are not to speak evil against one another. Bitterness, anger, malice, clamor, slander. Oh, I'm afraid those show up in my life way too often. I think you can see how important it is for us to have a proper walk because if we are displaying any of those things we just mentioned, we are hurting ourselves and the people around us. And we are hurting the testimony of the gospel. Now that's a sobering thought. We will continue with our series on the next verse by verse, where we feature the teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff, who is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you are in the Clearwater area, and would like more information about Lakeside Community Chapel, please check out their website, lakesidechapel.com. If you are able, and if you are brave, please join us next time for Verse by Verse. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.